In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with today's edition of Southern Fried Soccer. Atlanta United defeated Philadelphia 3-0 on Wednesday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. With the victory, the Five Stripes became the first expansion team since Seattle in 2009 to clinch a spot in the postseason. Uh, the goals were scored by Julian Gressel, his fourth of the season, Joseph Martinez, his 18th of the season, and Jacob Peterson with his third of the season. Gressel also added an assist. He has nine. He's now moved into second all-time in league history for rookies. Uh, he trails Clint Mathis, another Atlanta guy, by one uh, for to tie for the all-time lead in that category. Um, it wasn't a perfect game, but Jason Longshore of 92.9 and Soccer Down Here is going to join me to discuss it. Jason, what were your initial impressions of the performance? I was the most impressed with the midfield trio of Carmona, Kratz, and Gressel, a combination that we haven't seen this season. And with all the discussion coming in about Almiron and how do you replace Miguel, they didn't really miss a beat with that group of three. And, and at times, they were even more interchangeable than we've seen with the Lorenowitz Carmona Almiron pairing because Jeff would always drop. Carlos was was almost always the box the box guy and Miguel was in front of them. There were times late in the first half that Kratz, Carmona, and Gressel were absolutely in sync with switching roles. It was very fluid and very impressive. Uh, one example of that would been would have come on Martinez goal. Uh, Gressel picked up the ball probably around I don't know 35, About maybe that. 40 yards away. Hit a diagonal pass. There were two runners streaking to his left. Kratz followed by Martinez. Kratz playing ahead of Gressel in this formation instead of behind him. Dummy the ball. Martinez picked it up, took a dribble, slammed a left-footed shot past Blake for the goal. Um, it, it was. A, it was. Philadelphia helped Atlanta United, I think, a lot in the first half. They really played deep. They really tried to play tight lines. Um, it didn't help them very much. Uh, Atlanta United had 75% of the possession, and I think I made a joke about this on Twitter, but I think most of Philadelphia's percentage was Blake wasting time on goal kicks uh, <laughs> because they didn't do anything with the exception of maybe two minutes in the first half. Uh, it was it was kind of odd, uh, especially considering they weren't still mathematically eliminated from 
the playoffs. It was going to be difficult. But let's talk a little bit about Julian and how he performed in the Almiron role. That was what everybody wanted to see tonight. Almiron, of course, is the team's MVP. Joseph Martinez called him after the game. Uh, Martinez celebrated his goal by taking an Almiron jersey and putting it over his face and doing a circle for the crowd. That was very cool. Because he said that Martinez, or I'm sorry, that Almiron is the team's MVP. How do you think Julian performed in that creative role tonight? I think Julian, I mean, he plays the role differently and, and look at his goal, which was this perfect combination of the first touch off the initial pass from LGP. Beautiful first touch to play away from the pressure from Onyewu, so he leaves him. Then he has the strength to hold off Krival in the challenge. And then the composure with a flick of the outside of the right foot. Instead of going for power to beat Blake, he went with the flick, and that's not a goal you often see from a rookie. He, he plays the role differently in the sense that he plays it as more of a true number 10. I think Gressel has a great vision. He's a great passer. Uh, he has a great knack for the killer pass in the final third, as we saw on Martinez's goal. Where he doesn't match up with Almiron in that role is defensively. I think you know Kratz and Carmona definitely had more to do defensively than they would have if Miguel had been in tonight. And I think Julian needs to clean up at times. He, he will take too many risks passing in his own half and there were a couple tonight that Philadelphia could have created an opportunity from and didn't and we've seen that before this season that's a little thing that Gressel needs to work on going forward uh, <clears throat> Jeff Lernowitz and Martino both were asked after the match if Gressel should win MLS Rookie of the Year, and they both said yes, uh, very emphatically. Your two top yes. candidates were, were here tonight, and I thought Gressel just completely outclassed Elliott. And oh, Elliott's yeah, been a, so. a good center back in this league this season, but he did not look up to the task in this environment. It was uh, it was just a, an odd game, as I said. But the big news, I think, out of the Martino press conference uh, was he said they are going to go for the second spot. Oh, okay. uh, so you can expect to see, I'm assuming, uh, probably not the strongest team against New England, a team which I think has given up based upon their 6-1 beatdown by Orlando City tonight. They had a red card in the 11th uh, minute. Yeah, another red card. It's yeah. like four or five <laughs> in their past four games for that team. That team is uh, the craziest in the league right now because they come here, they lose 7-0. They go to Kansas City, lose 3-1. Jay Heaps loses his job. Then they respond with a win over Toronto. Yeah. And then they go lose 6-1 in Orlando. Yeah, I guess an Orlando team that I don't think scored six goals combined in July and August. May not have scored six goals. It was a wild night in MLS. Uh, the New York Red Bulls DC game, every time we looked over there, it seemed like there was a goal going one direction or the other. DC was up 2-1, then New York flipped it really quickly and went up 3-2, and then the Red Bulls conceded in stoppage time with an own goal to draw 3-3. And NYCFC won. Uh, so that keeps them in second. Atlanta United in third uh, going into the New England game on Saturday. Then they have the super quick turnaround. They host Minnesota, a team which I, I think – next season is going to be a team to watch if they can get their defense sorted out because their offense is really starting to come together. Better. They're definitely better. I, I don't know if their playoff level 
better. We'll see what other moves get made in the Western Conference, but they've definitely improved from what looked to be the worst expansion team we've seen in a long time. They did not live up to that. No. And let's just talk about the homestand. It was a six-game homestand. When Atlanta United started it, they were tied for sixth. They're now solidly in third. I think fairly solidly. It's going to be hard for them to lose third. They took 16 out of 18 points, five shutouts in six games. They have 10 shutouts this season. I was really curious to see what was going to happen. I thought the pileup of games eventually would take a toll. Would show they would show some fatigue. Uh, obviously, the Almiron injury. Who knows the cause? Um, some people still think it's a result of, of overplaying him in, in too many games. Who knows? Yeah, it's such a small um, sample size. I'm not going to yeah, go but, there. Yeah, but this homestand has been better than I think anybody could have imagined for yeah, the team. Yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers, and it's just mind-blowing. Like, I cannot remember seeing a stretch for a team in this league that has looked this dominant. I mean, they're, they're not just eking out wins right now. You know, it's five wins out of six, no losses at home, only allowed three goals at home, five clean sheets. 22 goals scored, and they could have had four or five more tonight. Easy. Well, that's what's been crazy about these games at Mercedes-Benz. Uh, somebody tweeted at me during the game and said that it's like a goalkeeper's graveyard. But you've seen goalkeepers like Andre Blake come in and have a great night. Jesse Gonzalez for Dallas had a great afternoon mm -hmm. with saves and still lost 3-0, both of them. It's, it's just a team right now that is absolutely in sync with one another. And even tonight when you had Lorenowitz in a different role, you had Carmona in a different role, you had McCann, who's played that role for a little while now, but hasn't been the starter there. Kratz and Gressel on the field. Five different, five players in different spots than they're used to. And it really didn't feel that way. You know, no. they, they lost their focus a bit in the second half. Yeah, they got really sloppy in the second yeah and I think that could be a little of the mental fatigue kicking in along with feeling like you weren't really touched in the first half by the opposition right. yeah I think it's a little bit of confidence a little bit of fatigue yeah a little of both but that's really the biggest glaring error outside of the Orlando game which was just a, one of those crazy games that that happens sometimes and missing LGP you know Atlanta was susceptible to the cross and Orlando did everything they could possibly do to pull those points out it's an amazing homestand and I think the team is playing with such confidence. We'll see how they, they fare going up to New England. And I want to see how Tata manages these two games because they are very quick. It's not, you know, another midweek game. It's Saturday to Tuesday. So they'll play With the travel. Yeah, and travel mixed in. So they'll they'll go to New England. They'll play Saturday night. They'll probably come back Sunday regeneration, rehab, you know, just recovery work on Monday and turn around and play on Tuesday. Uh, at least Minnesota does play on the weekend as well. I believe they're in Houston. So they'll have travel factored in to Houston and then here. So it's not going to be easy. Um, Houston, which is getting thumped by the LA Galaxy of all teams tonight. Yeah, at home too. <laughs> and Houston's trying to get back in the playoff race. At least Dallas has responded with a, a big night tonight at, to this point. The game uh, that I'm curious to watch when I get home is San Jose and Chicago. Yeah, that's a huge game. Yeah, it's a big one for Atlanta. If I, Chicago loses that one, it's going to be really, really hard for Atlanta United not to finish at least third. Yeah, that, that's kind of where my head's at. It, Atlanta has done everything they could possibly do to 
position themselves as a contender with this homestand. They took full advantage of it. I had kind of felt like once they had a series of games in succession that the rhythm would come back and the sharpness would come back. It came back quicker than I thought it would, and it came back better than I ever thought it would. I didn't expect to see Atlanta United play like this in year one, ever. No, 22 goals, three allowed. They had one goal called back. There was a handball that was missed. Uh, that's two more goals. Blake made a couple of fantastic saves in the first half to stop some long-range shots, including another by Gressel that was destined for the corner if, if Blake didn't get a hand on it. Viava had a couple Vizalba of Viava had a couple cannons that Blake saved. That were swerving so badly, Blake actually caught them with his trailing hand instead of his <laughs> leading hand because they were going back against the way he was diving. And that's something that's lost in the shuffle tonight is Tito Vijalba. You know, he reaches double digits for goals and assists. That's incredibly difficult to do in this league. Uh, I think Lee Wynn and Miguel Almiron are the only two in that ballpark right now, but don't haven't met that standard of double-digit goal, double-digit assist. Uh, could have had a goal that was called back for Martinez being offside, had a couple saved. But then he had that beautiful pass at the end to Jacob Peterson, perfectly mm -hmm. weighted through ball as Vishalba was running away towards the sideline. Uh, such a player, and he's a player that, that gets lost in the shuffle a lot of times with this team. Him and Yamil Assad are, are two of the most important pieces, and they're two of the pieces that don't get talked about very much. And also, Martinez was asked about winning the Golden Boot uh, tonight, and he basically said, I don't want to say he didn't say he didn't care, but he said, I can go buy a Golden Boot. <laughs> I would, I'm more interested in the MLS Cup. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, so that was, that was Martinez's funny take on that. Um, the other thing was, Mar I did ask Martino about something you touched on. This season, he's had to put a lot of players in a lot of unfamiliar positions, and yet they continue to play well. And that's not true for every team in MLS when they try to move people around. No. Jossie's artists did not have a good day at fullback the other day. That's one of the most baffling coaching moves I've seen uh, in this league. Well, you gotta do something to, to for, he's got he, coaches see something anyway. <laughs> and Martino said that he wants to give the credit to the players. He said when he was a player he wanted the credit, so he's mm -hmm. gonna give the credit to the players now. He said he tries not to overthink it because if he does he might make a mistake. Uh, but he says he believes in the players and he doesn't think he's putting them in positions that are too difficult from what they typically do. But if you're an, uh, an opponent of Atlanta United for the playoffs, or if you're New England or Minnesota or the Red Bulls or Toronto, their final four remaining games, you really have no idea what you're going to see. You really have no idea how to deal with it because the players are very interchangeable. I'm not going to say they're Holland of the 70s, but they are very interchangeable. It's really kind of fun to watch. And again, it kind of makes you scratch your head and look at some of the other MLS teams and go, how come you haven't been able to do this? Mm -hmm. It's it's modern soccer. And Tata Martino has, I think, touched on this better than, than most managers around the world, where he has a system. This team has an identity. You know, you can, you can slot people in different places because they know the roles, they understand the roles, they understand the way that this team is supposed to play. And you see a guy like Chris McCann, who is traditionally played as a central midfielder, uh, star at left back in these last few games. 
games. And then tonight, Greg Garza comes in for his first minutes in a while, and McCann moves up the left wing, doesn't miss a beat. Right. You know, this team is is just firing on all cylinders right now, and, and Tata Martino is, is doing what good managers do. He is, is giving all that credit to the players, and when there are mistakes made, he takes the blame. I'll give the credit to Tata Martino. I think he's done a coaching job in MLS that we have not seen in this league, maybe ever, to build a team that is this dangerous this quickly. You know, they don't look like a team that came together in February. No, yeah, I did ask him about that. If, when he was sitting at the World of Coke for his introductory press conference and in Florida on a cold, windy first day of training camp, if he honestly thought that he would be sitting here talking about securing a spot in the playoffs. And he said, yeah, because I believed in the players. I knew but, we had good players. You know, that's the thing. It was a year ago today that was it, it was really? announced to Tata Martino. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. That's, I, a, that's a pretty good first year yeah, that's in a really Atlanta. Good first. I'm going to have to put that in the lead of my story for tomorrow. <laughs> Tell you. everybody what you got going on, Jason. Uh, I'm at Longshoe on Twitter. Uh, you can follow my show, Soccer Down Here, at Soccer Down Here. We're Monday to Friday, 9 to 11 on blogtalkradio.com slash soccer down here. Uh, it's also available as a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and, and anywhere else you get podcasts. It's a fantastic show. I really urge you to listen to it. Uh, Jason provides fantastic analysis of both Atlanta United and the other teams in Major League Soccer. Except for Michael Bradley. Except for Michael Bradley. He and I are going to have to agree to disagree on <laughs> uh, Michael Bradley. Um, I've posted my game story, my man of the match, Julian Gressel, uh, by the numbers. Uh, I'm going to post this when I get home. I'll post five observations tomorrow. I'll probably have something on Julian Gressel and how he played for Almiron and his potential as Rookie of the Year. And then we will go from there. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and tell all your friends to subscribe to this podcast, Southern Fried Soccer, on iTunes. Thank you. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,